Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Not Your Average Girl podcast. We have an amazing guest episode for you today. I know I say every time that it's going to be amazing, but that's just because, you know, it, every time it is amazing because Sarah and I have the best guests. And this week we have the amazing Allison Lang. She is an amputee and advocate for body inclusivity. Uh, she is an author. She is an educator. She is a model. She works with amazing companies and she is here to talk to us about diversity and inclusion, ableism, and growing up um, as a young girl with a disability and what's that like. And I think we can all benefit from expanding our worldview and learning from people who've had vastly different experiences than our own. So Allison, Ellie, welcome. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I just wanted to ask you a quick question right before we get started. And I'm just wondering if um, you do identify as having a disability i know some people don't don't uh, incorporate that word and some people take that as an empowering word but i just uh, curious about whether you identify as that that's such a good question and if i'm going to be completely honest i always refuse to refer to myself as disabled and it was such a troubling word to grow up with because there was a stigma that went with that that i was less than or incapable of and that's actually the definition that has been in the dictionary for prolonged years and the disabled community is starting to take that word back but for so long i would drop the dis and put it in brackets and then write ability in capital letters but the more I think about it, I think if the disabled community does take that word back, then we have control of what it means. Mm -hmm. And so I, I regret not embracing that word back then, but there's no time better than now to start embracing it and really representing the disabled community the way they should. So I appreciate that question. <laughs> no, perfect. I just wanted to make sure that we were using language that uh, suits how you feel about yourself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, with that, like, why don't we dive into, you know, a little bit about yourself and your journey? Okay, sounds good. Um, I'm a congenital amputee, meaning I was born missing the lower half of my left leg at birth. And I tell this story every time, but I think it's so important because when I was born, the doctor actually told my parents that there was something wrong with me. And thank God my mom's a nurse because she asked, well, what's the matter? And he said she was born missing the lower half of her left leg. And my mom kind of looked at my dad and looked back at the doctor and said, well, how are all her internal organs? And the doctor said, everything else is fine. So my parents like cohesively said, then there's no issue. And I'm so lucky. And I know not everybody has the opportunity to be raised by such supportive and strong parents that are so sure about that. Because to be honest, like I'm the oldest of four. So having your first child born with like a physical defect, I'm sure could be soul crushing or worry, like worrying for their future. But they actually threw me into all sports imaginable. Um, taught me to be strong. And for that, I am so thankful for who I am today. But over time, I did have my challenges. And I was severely bullied in school, not only emotionally, but physically. And that really impacted how I viewed myself and showed up in the world. And I actually hid my leg for years. Even in 35 degree weather in the hot summer months, I would wear pants to school or I would wear nylons so my leg looked like a similar color to my real leg under shorts. And anytime anyone asked me why I was limping, I would make up an excuse like, oh, I fell skateboarding or I got kicked in soccer. And I couldn't admit my disability to myself, which I think really limited me and my capability of being my authentic self every single day. And it wasn't until my early 20s where I'm like, okay, what the hell am I doing with my life? And I really took a like reflection on my past. And I said, okay, if I didn't have any role models, because nobody looked like me on television or in magazines, or in the media. And I was like, if I didn't have that growing up, why don't I be that for someone younger that's going through a similar thing? Disabil disabled or not, um, we all have our insecurities. And I think because mine was so prominent and to be honest, it was hard to hide. Now that I show it off, there's other women that 
have minor insecurities that are like, you help push me and I'm going to get emotional, but I'm so happy to be able to do that now and really show up as myself and help others overcome what is holding them back as well. I mean, first off, feel free yeah. to get emotional here. Uh, <laughs> Jess and I, <laughs> we cry pretty much every time. We cry constantly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll join. I'll join in. <laughs> there is. This is a space to be totally real and free. Uh, just please know that. Um, and second, I just want to say that thank you for speaking out um, for body inclusivity because... I've I've heard you speak and I've been following you and I mean I I've seen clips of some of the things you've spoken on and as someone who struggles with you know mental health and body image issues um, you hit a larger population than simply specifically people with maybe a physical difference um, you hit home with so many different people who struggle with um, different, different things, different body image differences, I guess, than, than what the mainstream media puts out towards us. And so I thank you for that because you've impacted the way I see myself to, despite not being able to relate to you on the exact same level, you've, you've really reached that huge population. And I think that's incredible. Now I'm going to yeah. get teary. <laughs> You're so nice. No, it's absolutely true. I mean, Jess can testify for this. I've been texting her since the day she told me that you were coming on being like, and I mean, I love all of our other guests. Don't get me wrong. And I'm like, I'm most excited for Allison. Like out of everybody, <laughs> like this is the person that I'm ready to talk to. Um, but we do want to know is, you know, you've been living with a physical disability since you were born and mm -hmm. you spoke a little bit about it. Um, but if you could, and if you're comfortable delving a little deeper into how specifically did it affect you while you were growing up when you were younger? Yeah. Um, and I, I just want to reiterate that my experience is not represented, re sorry, representative of every disabled person's story. Everyone, just like the average person, all of our stories are different. So those that are listening, um, be sure to double check the proper words that that person living with a disability likes. I mean, for example, me, I refer to my little leg, little leg as a little leg or a stump, but some amputees don't like that because it kind of gives the effect that it's like chopped wood and it kind of triggers them due to accidents. But because I was born with one leg, I'm a little bit more accepting of that language. But my story hasn't been super easy. I definitely struggled a lot. Um, so I was born with my tibia, but I am missing my fibia below my knee. So the muscle mass, the tissue, the ligaments are all limiting there. And because I didn't have as much fat tissue, I actually had to get um, my bone trimmed down about every three years because it, as I grew taller, the bone would grow, but the skin wouldn't stretch. So it would start piercing through the skin, which caused me a lot of physical pain and actually limited me from wearing my prosthetic some days or even the recovery after post-surgery. So I would show up to school in a wheelchair or on crutches sometimes. And that in itself made me an easy identifiable identified person where I, you know, people noticed me in the hallways because I had walking aids and or was in a cast. And being a young kid, you always want to be included in sports and playing on the playground. And for me, because of that, it was a little bit more restricting. And I don't blame the surgeries and the recovery process. But I think that what really lacks in the school education system is educating kids and familiar familiarizing them with all these different disabilities or possibilities of surgeries. And, you know, this is what a person in a wheelchair looks like. This is what a walking aid or a blind person uses and really normalize these things. So growing up, kids won't stare or be like, oh, they just assume that those individuals can't keep up. And that's where the ableism aspect for me comes in and I'd really like to change that mentality starting at a younger age. I also have my teaching degree so I've seen the effects that it has on kids and really 
normalizing and for me showing up and showing my leg while I was teaching in front of them just made it a normal day-to-day thing. Um, but when I was a kid, it was hard, but I did play sports and for that I was thankful, but it impacted my self-esteem along the way. I was a guinea pig, so to say, for a certain prosthetic that wasn't on the market yet. And when I was playing soccer, it had a visible spring and it was completely metal. And the referee actually stopped the whole game when I went on to play and told the coach that I wasn't allowed to participate with the other kids because I was a dangerous um, thing on court, I guess you could say. And for me, that was heartbreaking. I think I was about 12 years old. And at that age, you're like, I just want to be like anybody else. I've been trying to prove myself for so long. And I got kicked out of the game for that. And other parents came together collectively and were duct taping shin pads and all these paddings and socks to the outside of my prosthetic and put me back on the field because they wanted to see me play. So there are things that really damaged me, but then the community does come back. And I'm really lucky to rely on such strong people that come together. And I do believe in the good in humanity because I have had things like that happen to me. But then obviously getting older in my teenage years and you start dating and your looks are everything and girls are starting to wear makeup and what you wear as your style really represents you. I, I was rejected by boys because of my leg and I didn't know how to cope with that. So dating wasn't really a main priority of mine through junior high and high school because it was more self-esteem burdening than building me up so I really tend to focus on like my friends and those that I could trust and it it was really hard I would say like any girl that fit like 14 to 20 was really hard on me and I I didn't even know who I was because I was hard hiding such a large part of me for so long um but yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. That was a long explanation of it. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, it's exactly the kind of thing that we're, we're hoping to hear from you. And oh my God, that story that you're telling us about the soccer game, that, that just makes my heart so full that people responded in that way. And it, I think I, I'm very much like you and I see the good and, um, you know, with every one person who's going to say something negative, you're going to get a group of people behind you in your circle who uh, will come up and say no. And I love that about this world. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I want to remind people too, as alone as you feel, sometimes there are people there that like that, that group of parents that came together were even from the opposing team. So I just want to remind people when you feel at your lowest or your loneliest, there is someone there that will pick you up and support you until you are okay. And all you have to do is reach out and ask for help. And sometimes it's scary, but it's so worth it. I love that. And you, you touched on something that I intended to ask you and I just, I wasn't sure when the right moment would be, but um, you touched on, you know, you're, you have a teaching certificate and, you said that you've seen firsthand the mm-hmm. impact it has on kids for them to just see what a person with any type of difference looks like and just to normalize it. And almost a selfish question on my part is um, what would you suggest as an educator um, are the kind of core things that I should be ensuring that I'm doing to try to represent and normalize um, just differences in general, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a good question. I'm really happy. I have, I'm not teaching currently, but I am still passionate about working with kids and I would love to go and give, continue to give presentations. Ever since I was young, I'm part of the WAMPS CHAMP program, which is a nonprofit in Canada that helps pay for recreational limbs through donations for kids missing Um, their limbs and so for me without them I wouldn't have been able to participate in soccer snowboarding or swimming growing up so they have given me the autonomy of doing those extracurriculars and I'm so thankful for them Um, and so ever since I was young because 
they would give me limbs to play, I would do a presentation each year in my classes to all the students. So now that I'm an adult, when I was working at an out-of-school care center or any of the schools that I was working at, I would ask the principal to go in some days to give a presentation about my personal story. And there is when I would address bullying and uh, self-image insecurities and talk about um, prosthetic limbs. And I would actually bring my big bag in with me and lay them out and the kids could touch them and I would give them stickers to go home. And I know not everybody has a disabled friend that they can just call up and be like, hey, do you want to come guest speak at my school? So my biggest suggestion for teachers is like, even building presentations and having PowerPoint slides, just throwing in pictures with disabled people in them, but not drawing attention to them. You don't have to specifically point out, oh, here, this man is sitting in a wheelchair and playing this sport. It can just be like, if you're talking about sports, have a photo of an adaptive sports team. It doesn't have to be the NBA because as much as we are like addressing the NHL or the CFL, those are high performing athletes that everyone sees on a day to day basis on the news and in broadcasts. But what about these inspirational, also resilient people that have overcome accidents and are now performing in the Paralympics or even just in recreational sports? I mean, we don't all have to be like, the best of the best to be labeled as someone that is leading a great life. So um, yeah, I would just incorporate all those things into PowerPoint presentations. And if you can get, get a guest speaker, maybe suggest to your principal or your admin that it would be great to have an assembly or a presentation. I know everything's online right now. I'm always open to teachers reaching out, asking me, you know, can you break up my last class session and do like a 30 minute presentation on bullying? I would be more than happy to. And I know a lot of other people in the disabled community would love to talk about adaptive sport or recreational limbs or technology and AI and how people are wanting to build these new prosthetics. And I think kids would be fascinated by that, right? They always want to see something that they've never seen before. So, <laughs> yeah, I think you touched on something that ties really well into what I wanted to ask you about next, because you mentioned how, you know, like in media, there isn't as much representation. And, and when you do see people with disabilities, it's because it's literally a, a commercial with an elderly person who like is in a wheelchair and it's very in context. It's like all kind of related and tied back to that theme. Whereas mm -hmm. we're not just seeing these people in ads or imagery, just living their daily life, which they would do because they're just normal people. So yeah. what is the impact of that? Like on you, especially growing up, like not seeing yourself represented in media, what does, what does that do to your brain? Like I felt a little beaten down, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, growing up, a lot of the commercials that stick out in my head are, you know, shaving or waxing commercials where, like, women have two legs and they talk about how important it is to be feminine. And, you know, there's always, like, the referrals that men love a woman with long legs. And in my head, I was always thinking, like, I only have one. Or, you know, how women can easily go from flip-flops or for a night out, you need high heels. Well, I can't wear heels. So does that mean I'm not feminine? And to be honest, that is what limited me. And I always resorted to like a pantsuit rather than wearing a dress because for me, I never felt sexy in a dress because society told me that I wasn't or like indirectly told me that I wasn't. And it's not something direct that you're stating but when you center beauty around one image not everyone is able to meet that expectation and when they don't they think it's a them problem when rea in reality it's like systematic system systematic wow i can't speak <laughs> and um like they're creating this unreachable reality and it's it's awful for our self-esteem. I, and one thing that really, really, I can't stand even to this day and like things are getting better and I'm really hopeful that they're changing for the positive. But one thing that really 
especially in my teenage years, um, made me feel like I wasn't worthy was every person that was in a movie or a TV show that had a, I'm getting choked up, had a disability. It was like their whole character was centered around that disability and they were victimized for it. And people almost, you feel, they felt bad for them. And honestly, if they did like an average day thing, they would be called inspirational. Like for me, I've done a lot of great things. I'm also a solo female traveler and I've hiked like active volcanoes in third world countries and people will, I'll get to the top and they'll be like, oh my God, you're so inspiring. But to me, like as nice as it's meant to come off, I'm just like thinking to myself that this is where the issue lies. Like the I'm expected not to be able to do these things when you know what I have a body and I might do things a little bit differently and need a prosthetic leg to achieve these things, but I can still do things like the average person. And just because someone is brave enough to go on stage in a wheelchair or with crutches, if they have CP, it doesn't make them an inspiration it makes them showing up as themselves on a day-to-day -day basis and i think that needs to be normalized and yes i am inspired by those people but just because we show up in a world full of able-bodied people doesn't just make us inspiring and i think that's also what the ableist community needs to realize too is that you wouldn't look at just like an average Joe and be like, you're so inspiring. You brought in your groceries today, you know? So, <laughs> um, it, I don't know how else to explain it other than like, I'm, I'm obviously not going to resent anyone for saying that, but it's so important to realize and think about it before you phrase it in a sentence where you wouldn't say it to just anybody for doing that same activity. Yeah. Well, you know, coming into today, you know, Jess and I usually have a few key questions we want to ask somebody. And, mm -hmm. and beforehand, I said to Jess, you know, in this one, I really think that Allison's going to do the talking and she's going <laughs> to say things to us that we would never have even thought to ask because yeah. that's exactly what it is. If we talk about, you know, and like in all reality, as much as I want to say that I am inclusive and I... I love everyone and I care about all issues and people. Um, I don't have the unique perspective of anyone that is different than myself. And that's one thing that I never would have even thought of, you know? And I totally, as soon as it comes out of your mouth, it makes complete sense. But it's mm -hmm. probably something I'm guilty of doing, right? Applauding someone for doing something that I would do any day of the week. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I feel like I have a friend to apologize to. He has CP and and he's an incredible artist. And like, I worship the ground he walks on because I'm like, oh my gosh, you're just like a hero. If you have CP and you're an incredible artist, like you must be some sort of God. And not that it's not nice to celebrate accomplishments, but mm -hmm. those are two separate things for him. He is yeah. an artist and he has CP, not he is a, a, someone with cerebral <laughs> palsy. And because yeah. of that, he's an incredible artist. So, um, I think that's an incredible thing that you touched on that some of us really, really need to hear. Um, well, thank you for recognizing that. And I'm not saying this to have anyone be like, oh shit, I worded that really poorly when I was talking to that individual. And I'll admit, yes, I grew up with a disability, but I'm not perfect. And I, I'm continuously educating myself about different terms and appropriate um, context when it comes to discussing disability because things are continuously evolving. And just because I'm firsthand experiencing it doesn't mean that I've walked in every disabled person's shoes. So I, as much as I say that, it's still okay to make mistakes. Yeah. Um, I don't so even want to call them mistakes, <laughs> but sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, I think we can call them mistakes as long as we know that like mistakes can be positive and they can be celebrated and moved forward from. Um, I think one of the most valuable things I learned in my teaching education as we really dove into inclusivity, um, I was so lucky to work with an Indigenous woman uh, who talked a lot about, you know, just inclusion of Indigenous kids in classrooms. And one of the phrases she said to me will stick with me forever. And it's, 
you know, you will step on people's toes. Like you will screw up and you will step on people's toes because you've never been them. You've never been in their head. You don't have their experience and you just don't know. You can be completely well-intentioned and you'll step on their toes. She yeah. And what she says is don't stand on the toes and apologize. Get off the toes and apologize. And oh, I love that. That just like changed my whole worldview because not only can you just say, hey, sorry that I'm celebrating you for whatever, like maybe having a disability and also being an incredible artist. Maybe. Yeah. Like now from now on, stop. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. be aware of that. Change the way you've done things. And that's a sincere apology. That's a sincere change in how you're living. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's just an excellent way to view those types of mistakes because it's reality and we all will make them because none of us know everybody else's experiences. So yeah. I, that's just something that I wanted to throw it into the world because I, I want to repeat it every day in my life. Cause I thought it was just. Yeah. That's so moments. beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with me. I'm going to use, that's such a good visual expression for people to fully understand how to apologize and you know what we can repair it. Yeah. Take it. She is, uh, she spews that quote all over the world. So. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I think just going back to, you know, the lack of representation in media as now, like maybe kind of taking it less out of the context of you being a, a young girl. And as you've matured as a woman, and you're probably a lot more woke <laughs> to these <laughs> problems. And, you know, as we get older, we kind of see things. We're like, Oh, that's, that's more fucked up than I thought that was when I was younger. That, yeah. How, yeah, how do you see how, yeah, what's your perspective of this lack of representation as you get older? And what do you see as the true problem with that? I have a key component that just came to my mind about representation. I I want to encourage any campaigns, advertising companies, brands, if you want to truly represent inclusivity on TV Uh, in commercials, wherever you envision it, to use people of that, like, diverse group of people, because there's this notion, and it's it's starting to change, and I have something to admit to you that has been exciting in my recent life, but if you want to represent a disabled person in a TV show or a movie, Please hire disabled actors. Do not hire an able-bodied person to try to showcase how that disability is lived in a normal life. And I can't remember his name, but there is one person on Instagram right now. Like I could find it and share it with you guys, but he's doing mini series and of people with disabilities, but they're able-bodied actors and he's victimizing those with disabilities. And it's giving this like awful it it's not even informed notion that those with disabilities are you know ostracized left out have complications nobody wants to be their friend and it's such a negative perspective and i honestly if i also want to encourage those that want to build more inclusivity and diversity within their brand and what they represent whether it be to model for your brand as a disabled lifestyle model I don't even like to put disabled in front of model. I'm, we're just models with bodies <laughs> like anybody else, but also include the disabled community on the back end as well. So asking them about inclusive sizing, how clothing fits based on the way their body works and what makes them comfortable or how they would like the evolution of TV or any of these things that are being catered out into the world how can we properly represent you? Ask that diverse group, whether it be those with disabilities, the transgender community, like, etc. Ask them for informed experiences and bring that forward and put that into effect. Don't just assume. So that to me is really important. Um, you touched on it earlier, Jess, but uh, recently in November, I signed on with an agency in Montreal and I'm so excited. And since then, I've appeared in the government of Canada's COVID app commercial and they showed off my leg, but they didn't, you know, zoom into it. I was just another patient sitting in the waiting room and it goes by so fast. Some people caught it, some people didn't. 
And I've also actually modeled for Arden's um, new activewear line that came out in January. And they didn't hyper focus on my leg either. Like some of the images, you don't even see my leg. But I think that just that discrete representation without being like, oh, here we're representing uh, an amputee model that to me becomes more sincere because you're, I was just surrounded by other women with uh, like diverse, like color, body shapes, heights, sizes, everything. And to me, that's beautiful. And I think everybody should be celebrated because that's what we're living in for our whole life. And I don't know, I could go on about this topic forever, as I'm sure you saw when I emailed you about it. <laughs> um, it's, it's tough. And I'm gonna state one thing that really kind of, it, it hurt me like a lot. And I cried about it. And it was in a conversation I had recently, because I find that a lot of models that I know are now modeling for spring collections. And I did ask the question, why haven't I been hired for any spring collections that are coming out? And one thing that was said to me was, well, you know, like the pandemic and COVID and all, a lot of companies are going bankrupt. So they're scared to use diversity, not knowing how it'll impact their current audience. So they just are going with their typical blonde model that know that they know sells. And I felt like I got punched like in the gut. It hurts so bad because I think that more than ever right now, body positivity and acceptance is so prominent. Like think of all the amazing influencers that are taking back the stereotypical notion that women need to be thin and have no stretch marks and have per perfect skin and no gray hair or no hair on their body. Like, I think that this year, if anything, I think is the time to d dive in with diversity. But then I had to reflect on it. And I honestly don't want to work with people that don't believe in that yet. I'd rather work with companies and brands that, you know, that is their main priority or part of their values now. And I don't want to have to like be a pawn in their game. And just so they meet their diversity quota, because, you know, like disabled people make up the largest minority in all of America. And we're at like 10%, which is a large population of society and to properly represent those people is so important yeah and just to touch too like I really think that bringing like bringing up one group brings up so many other groups with it too like people with visible disabilities it it echoes to larger messages of just like all bodies are okay all bodies are beautiful even person with a very you know say like it, it brings up curvy women it brings up women who maybe have been super thin their whole life and they felt insecure about that like for mm -hmm. me i like i grew up with so many freckles and i was teased and bullied a lot for my freckles obviously it's nothing that i can control i've grown to love them but i was shopping in superstore the other day and you know the brand joe fresh if you're canadian and listening you probably know they had this huge ad in the store of this woman with so many freckles i like know her a sprinkle and she had them all over her body and she was beautiful beautiful and i was like it stopped and it literally took my breath away because i've never seen myself represented that way and it's it i know it's amazing like we're not just talking about empowering people with disabilities that it's not just about that it's mm -hmm. empowering all bodies as equally beautiful it, like you know the yeah what you said the idea of like it's not worth the risk for companies to that is just that's just fucking bullshit like it's bullshit thank you i'm so happy as a society we're past that like who who is making these decisions like who these people need to i mean i would tell like i would say that the companies that are saying things like that probably don't have very diverse leadership teams because they're you know they're they're not get, they don't get it they don't get that we're at a place now where you're not going to lose sales because 
oh, you have a woman with a prosthetic leg in your ad. Like, it's not going to happen. Like, come on, it's 2021. Like, let's move on with this. Let's let's empower and move forward and make this the standard. Sorry, I'm fired up because that just really pissed me off. I'm so happy you're fired up because now you're getting me fired up because my response to that was, okay, watch me. I'm going to start a movement this year with or without your support. Yeah. So later, like I was so infuriated. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Like, screw them. Like that's going to come to bite them in the butt. Like they're going to be left in the dust behind companies that are inclusive and empower people and make all people feel beautiful and people will be drawn to that like i had no idea that arden stood for this like i have some of their stuff i like i'm not like a super i don't shop at them a lot but now that i know hell yeah you better bet tomorrow when my budget rolls over for march 1st i'm going to (laughs) we always talk about that like put your money where your mouth is support companies that are you know taking a stand and doing the right thing it's not even the right thing. It's just doing the thing. Like the decent human thing. Yeah. Totally. yeah. You know, totally. I am, I am so fired up myself. First of all, these companies are catering to themselves, not to the general public because the general public is ready for this. We are mm-hmm. here for it. Like in general, humans want to see themselves. I mean, I'm a straight white woman and I still don't even see myself. Like it, the market is so narrow for what a woman's body is supposed to look like. Even the most common of people don't fit into it, you know? And, you know, like Jess saying, Jess struggled with freckles of Mm -hmm. all things, little freckles. And I struggle with the fact that I'm short and therefore I'm not tall and lean. And these stupid things, but they end up having these massive, massive effects on your self-esteem. And I always think about that scale of like the further away you get from that mainstream image, even worse your experience becomes being for me just just on the outside of it it feels horrible and I can't imagine you know what it's like in a world where as your skin gets darker or as you get heavier or um, the fewer limbs you have or the more visible your disability becomes the worse your experience becomes that's just so sick to me just just because you don't see yourself just because people around you don't see people like you. So they think you're different. Um, That exposure is so key. And then something you keep coming back to, and it's this theme of like tokenism. And everything you've said that really, really hurts you always makes me think of of this idea that the only reason people are valuing you or in your negative experiences, the only reason people are valuing you is for some tokenistic reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody to look up to as a hero or um our brand needs to hit this inclusion target so let's hire her oh but right now we we can't afford to take a risk so let's just never mind like those are the most hurtful things because it's almost like dehumanizing to to take that from somebody and just use their physical appearance as a way to demonstrate something i'm just I'm rattled. I'm, (laughs) I'm angry. Um, and then I got more angry because you started talking about, you know, representation on television and yeah. And I went, Oh my God. Yeah. I've been watching this show on Netflix called superstore and there's a guy in a wheelchair and I love that show (laughs) and he's hilarious. And his storyline is mostly not about his disability. He's mostly just a character that is hilarious. Mm -hmm. And I was stoked. So I'm like, thinking this is great this is an awesome example and then I went wait I wonder if he's actually disabled did no. you research it if he's yeah, not actually disabled you got a really quick book? nope oh, that was like in glee I loved glee I know but he wasn't well I forget his name he wasn't disabled either and you know what I have to touch on this because this just brings me to an idea that I had so I'm a member of team Canada's sitting volleyball team I haven't competed in the Paralympics yet but I'm a strong advocate for um, uh, adaptive sport. And I'm so happy to be part of such a resilient group of women that represent our country. But we had this conversation, like how you brought up Garrett and Superstore and the character in Glee at the end of the day, after their job is done, sitting in that wheelchair for that role, they can stand up and go home. And this, okay, this was so fucked up in Rio in 2016 for the Paralympic Games. They 
full of an arena of disabled people. They had able-bodied people in wheelchairs do a dance performance for the opening ceremony of the Paralympics. How twisted is that? That's backwards. Why you have a whole how many disabled people from all over the world here to compete in high level games and you couldn't find any disabled dancers? I can think of three dance groups like across Canada, the States and in the UK that would have been happy to go do that performance. But instead you had to choose able-bodied people and probably teach them how to use a wheelchair. You know, and it shows you how solid these blinders are because yeah. there are people in this world who probably were not malintended. Like they were just thinking, Hey, like let's put on a great performance. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? They're so blind to the fact that the world is much more diverse than their own little bubble yeah. that they can't even, <laughs> just, it's mind blowing. But I think that that goes into another little weird side note that I made, which is get to know people who are different from you. Just know them mm -hmm. on a personal level, not as a token in your life. Do you know, like, yeah. don't have your, Oh, I, I know one person who is in a wheelchair. Like, what else do you know about them? Kind of thing. You know, it needs to be real. Yeah. I saw in a classroom when I was substitute teaching about a month ago, um, their, their teachers, the kindergarten grade one, maybe a grade two classroom, definitely primary. The teacher was in a wheelchair. The whole classroom was set up for, for wheelchair accessibility. The whiteboards were lower, shelves were lower, her desk she could just wheel up to. Everything was set up for that. And these kids think nothing of it, absolutely nothing. Just because they know her, they care about her, they talk about how fashionable she is, they're telling me all about their teacher, but they don't, they don't mention she's in a wheelchair when they're telling me about her, right? Yeah. And it just shows that people who actually <laughs> interact with people different from themselves, those blinders come off so easily. It takes nothing at all. Just mm -hmm. look outside yourself, just like that tiny little bit. Yeah. Um, and so that's just, if I give any advice to, to people who are, you know, finding themselves feeling like this conversation is outside of their comfort zone, I would say, make some friends with differences. <laughs> Start speaking to some people with differences from you. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah. And I agree with that because... I lived my whole life thinking that my um, prosthetic leg and disability defined who I was. And you bring up such a good point. Like that's not the only cool characteristic or personality trait that anybody would be used to describe me when hopefully that they wouldn't use to describe me. There's a lot of other things just as in anybody else. Like you can be disabled or um, non-binary, but those don't, those are just examples, but they don't have to be the first label that people think of when they think of you. It should be hopefully that you're hilarious. You have a beautiful soul. You care for your family. You're hardworking, motivated. Like there's so many more important things than the way our bodies look, but I don't know why it's so fixated on certain things like that. And it's, it's kind of exhausting when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. And this is like such a rampant issue in terms of body image. Like we talked about this before in previous episodes where your looks are, should be the least interesting thing about you in, in, in like similarity to like, say you're missing a limb. Okay. Like what does that have anything? Like, obviously it's formative in terms of it probably did make you the person that you are today, but you have so much more to offer the world <laughs> other than the fact that you have aesthetic leg, right? Like yeah. it's that like defining kind of thing. It's like, it's like, you're this person, but you're this first where it's like, you just kind of, I would imagine that you just kind of want to like, this is who I am. Like, why does it always have to be about this? other thing right like why do we always make it about that thing and i think to to speak on inclusivity in like media i think a show that did this really well not with uh disability uh is schitt's creek with david's character i'm not sure if you've watched it i love schitt's creek it's hilarious oh my gosh. i was just waiting to see what character you're gonna pinpoint <laughs> so david's character obviously he is bisexual or pansexual on the show i don't remember if they I think it's pansexual they I said. Think pansexual yeah and i love it because they did use it as an education opportunity but it wasn't like his whole it wasn't about 
really about that specifically. Like, obviously, like his love interest with a man was part of the storyline, but his life was just his life. He was just his character, which is just so good, I think, for people to see and just to like to to normalize it as like these are just people like it, it, regardless of their sexuality or whatever they're just a person living their life and he actually is lgbtq plus in real life and an advocate and they just so got that right and there's this like interview with his mom where she was talking about when she when he was younger and she kind of observed that there he was different and he wasn't you know gonna follow the conventional path with his sexuality whatever that means and she was concerned for him and then she realized that like as he did the show he just paved the way and the world accepted him and how beautiful that is and like that's the power of authenticity in media with diversity and we just and that show it did so well like it's a little canadian show canadian shows never do well and it did so good across the world people love that show like it's it's amazing and companies just need to clue in like that's that's what it's about you know you're you're not risking anything you're just bringing people up like you you know and and you want your employees like as a company too don't you want your employees to like want to work for a company that's inclusive yeah, I just think there's no reason not to. It's just, anyways, Shit's Creek for life. You did. I love that show. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> I, I feel like now might be a good time. I know this wasn't really in our plan to ask, but do you have any like specific, I don't know, brands, shows, whatever that come to mind for you that you are like, yes, support this? Oh my goodness. Um, if I'm going to be honest with you, I don't watch a lot of TV. And I think maybe that is the reason is because I couldn't relate to anything growing up. Maybe that's like a subconscious thing, but, or I'm just so busy otherwise. <laughs> um, there is definitely a lot of brands um, that I could recommend that I've been fortunate enough to work alongside some local brands in Montreal over the course of this last year. And they're small local starting out and I'm especially with the pandemic I'm all about supporting local and so a couple that I can name for those living in Montreal or that want to search them in Canada research them online is uh, dreams of Anastasia um, shop after rain Montel intimates and I would put Nick's wear on there. They were a big supporter of the BODCON. I just spoke at that conference on February 21st and it was a bunch of influencers that talked body positivity, acceptance and self-love and um, Revolution Her, uh, Evo Beauty Cosmetics. Like it's great to see not only like different sized women and different women of uh, abilities and um, all of that, but they had variety of ages in their campaigns and they really support like showing up as your authentic self. And that vulnerability is in fact, okay, because we are all vulnerable, vulnerable about something and will be at some time in our life. But I think I'm hoping that I get to work alongside some more brands. And I mean, I have been receiving emails to work with some brands and the two questions that I always ask them is how would they describe um, their devotion to inclusivity and diversity now? And how do you hope to continue and improve that devotion moving forward? And for me, some people, as bad as this is, when brands reach out to me, when I ask those questions, sometimes I don't get emails back. And those are brands or companies that I don't want to work with. But then, like we said at the beginning of this interview, that our faith in humanity is re restored. I sometimes receive lengthy pages with their step-by-step -step plan. And I'm getting chills talking about it now because some people are so just like, beautifully devoted to this and they even state like i don't firsthand like worry about it because i'm a cisgender white female or male but i mean i they're doing it because they want to educate themselves and hopefully make a more positive impact and for those i want to congratulate and thank you so much for taking the time for like 
amplifying those voices because sometimes it's so hard to do. And for me, I didn't even come out and show my legs on social media until like two years ago. And it was only after texting my friends, like, should I post this photo? Do you think it's too much? And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, this is who I am. The world can either accept it or not. And that was the pivot for me because I got messages from mothers and fathers of children with like limb differences and said, I was worried that my kid wouldn't be able to lead a normal life, but seeing you backpacking around the world or doing average things and playing sports. And I now have faith that they'll grow to be independent and sure of who they are. So that is what I want more than anything is for others to become comfortable and really push to do whatever they can because like we're our only limitation at the end of the day. <laughs> well, you're doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I mean, and it, it is hard. I think I personally, this is something that like I think about a lot and I struggle with is like, it shouldn't be on you to educate. Like it's not necessarily your responsibility. So like, I really consider it a privilege that you come on here and you like spread your message and you share your experience in order to educate and spread the word because you don't have to do this. People, you know, people of color and people living with disability, people from the LGBTQ plus community, like it's not their responsibility to educate us. It's not your responsibility right now to sit here and do that. Uh, you do this because you, I'm assuming you, you know, you want to see the world be a better place Like you know that you can help like the next generation of kids come up and live in a more accepting and inclusive environment. So I'm really grateful for, for you, but I also want people listening to know that like you can't, it's not these people's in your life's job to do this for you. It is your responsibility to go out and educate yourself. There is a lot of resources online. There are a lot of books that you can read. There is a lot of documentaries that you can watch to educate yourself and take those steps first. Don't expect it to be the job of these people in your life because you know, you're just, you, you, Allison, you're just trying to live your life. Like you've chosen this path, which is beautiful, but not everyone chooses this path and we need to respect that. So with that being said, we're lucky to have you here. And I want you to know that we don't take it for granted. Like we're so lucky to have you and to learn from you. With that being said, I'd love to finish off on kind of like a little bit of a teachable note because we've talked about the word ableism a couple times. And I would really love, because I think this is a really important piece of language for people to have when they start to discuss this concept. So can we talk a little bit about like, what does that mean? Why people are afraid of this? And yeah, let's just talk about ableism in like a completely like accepting and let's all be calm here, people. No one take anything personally, okay? Let's yeah. learn. <laughs> yeah. So ableism, I believe the definition in the dictionary is discrimination um, in favor of able-bodied people. So it's just like the notion that things are built without any disabled people in mind. Um, and sometimes it's not intentional and we're aware that it's not, but we, we do live in an ableistic world and I'm sure a lot of people take that for granted and don't notice it. But for me, I was working in a restaurant. I'm also going to tie this in. I didn't tell them that I had a prosthetic leg when they hired me. They didn't know till three months in because I thought they wouldn't hire me thinking that I couldn't walk, but I could keep up. But in that restaurant, there was two steps down to the men and women's bathroom. And in my head, I'm like, this isn't accessible to those in wheelchairs or any sort of walking aid or even the elderly, like, let's get real. So that was one of my first questions was, do we have accessible bathrooms? And they're like, yeah, on the other side of the restaurant, there's some like on the level ground and there are the handicapped bathrooms. But one thing I always think about is why can't bathrooms just be built accessible for all rather than, you know, how many times did I see someone in a wheelchair see the bathroom sign, wheel over there, realizing they can't access them, having to ask a staff where there are bathrooms that they can access? So that already is creating a division that we don't need. And like I said, it's unintentional. But I think that moving forward, hopefully we can design things that are more welcoming. And I live in Montreal now, like I'm from Edmonton originally. 
but I also didn't realize like moving to Montreal, I was like, yeah, this is such like a hip happening city, like so many, you know, clubs, restaurant, the food culture here is amazing. But it's also one of the oldest cities in Canada. We have cobblestone streets that aren't wheelchair friendly or like friendly for crutches. Even me with a prosthetic leg and wearing shoes and having the ground be unbalanced is sometimes like uncomfortable on my hips for long periods of time. Or a lot of our corner stores have a couple steps to get in and our metro station, not all of them have um, elevators. So you have to get off at a certain stop to get on the bus to go to where that metro already goes. So you're creating longer routes for people that already have walking impairments. And I don't think that we're doing that to create that divisibility but at the same time it's like why can't those designing like any sort of transportation event center think of how it will impact or decrease the amount of people that are going out like i have a really good friend and i love him dearly but he's in a wheelchair and when we research where to go for dinner we have to double check if they have a ramp because if we make a reservation and show up like i sometimes can't lift him myself I need other people to help me but that creates obviously people looking at us or stares and I mean I'm comfortable with people looking at me now but I think to my younger self and I would have hated people looking at me because I needed assistance to just enjoy a night out where it's so effortless for anybody else yeah you reminded me of a, of a story um that it's another example of this and it's my same friend Mm -hmm. um, cerebral palsy and you know we went to a big university here in bc which i guess i just won't name but you know one of them <laughs> <laughs> one of the probably narrow it down <laughs> one or two take your pay exactly um yeah so um i remember like we we were in the same program together and one day i said oh like i'll i'll go with you to our next we were going to the cafeteria and of course these campuses are massive and what would usually be a seven minute walk for me was a journey of like backtracking to a proper elevator that would take him to one level, then walking around three different hallways to a different level to get into a different elevator, to take us to a different level, backtracking again. Like, yes, okay, so the school has put in elevators and yes, they put in ramps. Mm -hmm. The journey that would take seven minutes for me took 25 minutes for us to do together because I went his route instead of mine. And that to me is like the epitome of what an ableist world is. Because not only have we <laughs> not only have we built our world for able-bodied people, we've actually built it in a way that pushes people that aren't able-bodied or or disabled or even just have something different with them uh, and made things harder for them. Not just as not just normal but harder <laughs> and that is so so wrong to me so i think that's an excellent example of ableism on on both those fronts i think that just it all ties back to that idea of representation like we should be having people who are designing public transit systems have people consulting, people who actually have physical disabilities consulting on these plans and projects. Because even like Sarah said, like, okay, even if you're, you know, oh, we need to get an, we need an elevator because they can't walk up the stairs. Okay, yeah. But are you like allowing enough space for like a wheelchair to turn properly with like a, maybe another person coming around the corner? Like these are only really things that like someone actually living that life can kind of give you insight into. And we need to ask, it's the same problem of casting people without disability as disabled people. It's this whole problem. Like we can't assume that we know this experience. It's not our lived experience. To, to know and like it's not that we should feel bad that we don't know it's totally okay that we don't know because how would we but it's not okay that we assume to know and I think that's kind of like for me what like the key part of ableism is just knowing learning like opening yourself up to experience and recognizing that like we are in a position of privilege that everything works for us, but it's not that way for other people. Even if it's kind of working for them, it's not working for them to the, at the same extent that it's working for us. Yeah. And it's just recognizing those inconsistencies, I think is really, really important. 
And yeah. And, and the funny thing is with once you start to educate yourself a little bit more on these things, your eyes open and you can't unsee it. Yeah. In like, the more that you'll see. And that's why I think people become, you know, when you take the time to educate yourself, you become so passionate because as soon as you start to see the problem and you just, you, everywhere you go, you see it. Right. And it's like, and that's amazing. That's how it should be. Like everyone needs to open their eyes to this. And yeah, I would encourage anyone to just go and read about it and, and learn about it, read books about it and just educate because knowledge is power and it'll just, you know, we can all be a little bit more compassionate, I think. I love hearing that you notice those. Yeah, I guess what I wanted to end off saying for myself was just, I think the key thing that, you know, I'm definitely not an expert on this, but it's something I'm passionate about. And I think that if I could give people something, it would be just that, yes, you will make mistakes. Don't hate yourself for those mistakes. Uh, but once you've made them, don't make them again. Don't make that same mistake again. Really like reflect on it. Um, I find that once your eyes are opened to what is around you and what the world really is like for others, um, like Jess said, you can't really unspit. So mm -hmm. just, just be open to being told that you might be in the wrong or you might have a bias you didn't know you have. Um, for instance, I'm sure I've been many places and not realized that um, they aren't accessible to everybody. Um, and that's a bias I have because of the life I live and I don't have to apologize for being myself, but I do have to say I need to do better. Um, so that's my take. Um, but is there anything that you want, want people to take away specifically? Yeah, I want to encourage people to have uncomfortable conversations and to not be afraid to ask questions for those that are different than them, because that opens up a whole new knowledge and experience by firsthand hearing someone's story. And I also need to point out that not everyone is willing to share their story. So don't push for it. But um, I mean, over time, we have our whole lives to learn. And I, like I said, I'm still educating myself. And one thing I always want to remind people is that we're all different. And as much as we might beat ourselves down and think that, you know what, we're the only ones suffering from this. We're not. I'm sure there's many people feeling similar to how you feel. And what I always say to everyone is your obstacle is your opportunity. And my limitation became an opportunity to meet both of you and have this amazing conversation that we just had today. So thank you. <laughs> No, thank you. Honestly, like Jess said, this isn't your responsibility, but you have um, made your passion. And um, we are so thankful that you have taken that time to talk to us about it. And and if we're being honest with all our listeners, sometimes it is uncomfortable because we're, st you know, standing alongside someone who knows more than we do. And uh, it is hard to put yourself out of that comfort zone and make yourself vulnerable to being wrong. But mm -hmm. we did it. You can do it too. Yes. <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> and honestly, just thank you so, so much. I think this is one of the most valuable um, episodes that we have made that is really going to tell people something they genuinely didn't know. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. And um, I do want to just tell your listeners that if they do have any further questions, they can contact me on social media. I'm always open to having new and amazing, like people ask me questions that sometimes I don't even think about for myself. So I want to encourage your listeners to reach out if they do have any questions about anything that I've said in this episode. And I would love to continue these uncomfortable conversations and hopefully they become normalized. So on that note, where can everyone <laughs> find you? Let every know, everyone know what you got going on. <laughs> uh, you can find me on all social media platforms at Allison E. Lang. So. Amazing. Uh, if you're listening, definitely give her a follow. I, I love your posts. I mean, it's awesome just to kind of see your life. Like you look like you're having a fun, like you went snowboarding. Yes. Was that yesterday when you went, you said you went yeah, snowboarding? Yeah, I was yeah. watching your story today and I'm like, that looks so fun. You and your girlfriend. So 
uh, definitely follow her on there. Like you share such a good mix of like inspiration and education. And I've really enjoyed following you. So everyone listen, make sh- listening, make sure you do that. Um, and then if you want to follow the podcast, uh, you can follow us on not your average girl podcast. You can follow me at Jess R Stafford and you can follow Sarah at Sarah.mags. We just forget for a second. We do that same thing every time. And you like hesitated. <laughs> I have three Instagram accounts. And yeah, if you're listening on Spotify and Apple podcasts, make sure you follow and subscribe to follow along. And if you can leave us a rating and review on Apple podcasts, that would be absolutely amazing. Um, thank you again for tuning in for another week. We are on a string of like, crazy awesome interviews right now and sarah and i are like riding this high we are so happy you're so happy to be bringing you these conversations and these amazing diverse incredible and inspiring awesome everything above women so make sure you turn in next week because we'll have another awesome episode allison thank you again this has been so great and i can't wait to see you in more ads i can't wait to see your friends in more ads i am totally here for it i am going to only shop at these stores from now on like, <laughs> let's people let's put our money where our mouth is and support these businesses that are that are doing the right thing and and showing diversity yeah yes. awesome. thank you <laughs> talk to you later everyone bye friends <laughs>